So we are coming to you from the distant past, Star Wars style. Uh, it was not a galaxy far, far away, but it was a long time ago. We are recording this, as many of you hear this, last month. We are recording this on uh, Tuesday, the 30th of May. We recorded the prior episode just a week ago on the 23rd of May. Uh, a week from now, if all goes according to plan, uh, well, actually less than a week from now, we will be giving each other an uncomfortably yet delightfully long embrace as we arrive in San Jose together. And we know each other well enough to know that we're not going to have time to record an episode of the show during WBDC week. So we're recording it now long ago on the 30th of May. Yeah, we did it that one time, right? I think we did mm -hmm. it one time. And that was the year when I realized that I should only be recording the shows that I have to record. Yep. The WWDC, that was the worst year for me. I overcommitted with all of the stuff that I was doing. So now I only record the shows that I have to record when I'm there. Things that I don't need to record, like this show, because it can be recorded quite easily in the past. We do that. Yep. So that is what's going on today. Uh, we don't know what's coming at WWDC, but I'm sure it was excellent. But I'm sure it was terrible. But I'm sure it was okay. And Mike, you just drop in whatever's appropriate when the time comes. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll make sure to clean that up. Nice. <laughs> so speaking of WWDC and uh, something that's relevant to Mike, I had an uncomfortable iPad moment just a couple of days ago. Hmm. I've been working on a, uh, on a for fun project for myself. I don't know if I'll ever release it. I am going back and forth, but I'm working on an iPhone app. It's a very, very simple one. Well, look and, at you now, Mr. Secrety Secretson. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest problem I have with this, however, in true gray style, is that I do not have a good code name for this app. In fact, the code name I have, which if I told you, it would give away the whole thing, but it's terrible, and it's not really a code name at all. So I need to come up with a sweet code name. But be that as it may, I have an iPhone, an iPhone app that I'm working on that's really just something for me, but it could be useful to other people. And, and I was working on something over the weekend... And I was working on something, maybe it was when Declan was napping, or maybe it was when he was playing by himself and was entertained. I forget exactly what was happening, but he was doing something, and then the three of us decided to leave the house and go somewhere. And on the one side, I was like, sweet, okay, I really want to go do this thing that we were going to do. But on this side, I was like, well, it's like a 15, 20-minute drive, and I really am not done with what I'm working on. Like, I was in the middle of trying to figure something out. And so because of that, I thought, man... I mean, I guess I could bring my 15-inch MacBook Pro in the car, but that's just unwieldy, and I don't really want to do that. And, ugh, wait a second. Swift Playgrounds is a thing on the iPad. I could work on this on the iPad because what I was doing was just a uh, thing with the user interface, and it was a sort of it was a sort of uh, programming challenge that I was having that I didn't need the rest of the app to be there. It was just trying. I was trying to mock up something in the UI. And it occurred to me, you know, I can do this on the iPad. And so sure enough, I grabbed the iPad, sat in the passenger seat of the car while Aaron drove us to where we were going, and I worked on the problem. Mm -hmm. And on the one side, I was like, you know what? This is kind of freaking magical. This is wonderful. On the other side, it was terrible because I have an iPad mini, and that means there's not a lot of real estate and there's no keyboard. So there's good and bad to be had here. And truth be told, if I were to have a keyboard, that would mean I would need an iPad Pro. And if I'm going to go up to an iPad Pro, that's at least roughly 10 inches. And if I'm going to go for 10 inches, why not go for 12? Why not get a MacBook where it's sturdy, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some good to be had with this bad. However, after just a week or two ago, I spent uh, my first appearance in the 512 Pixels newsletter 
discussing how I think the iPad is kind of not for me, I had this moment, you know, in, in true karmic fashion where I thought, you know, this iPad's pretty cool. Turns out. May 24th, 2017. Mm-hmm. The setting. Slack. Inside Slack, direct message. Casey. <laughs> 1733. I read your iPad article and I liked it. I can't argue with you because it's how you feel, but I will be willing to put money down on, buy- on you buying a new iPad within two years, said Mike. Casey says, I would not take that bet because I suspect you're right. True story. Turns out you didn't really get far at all. Oh, stop it. Remo- like, but just the idea of like, you know, all I've been, I've been listening to you over the last few weeks talking about like, cannot wait for that MacBook to be updated mm-hmm. because I'm going to be ditching this iPad sucker. Yep. Let me tell you, man. Right. This is the thing. This is the thing. You are using your iPad as if it's 2014. Right? Yeah. Okay. I am in 2015 with my iPad. <laughs> uh, uh, again, True story. This could be this could be sweet or just so sour, depending on where we are by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but but this is the thing, right? This is the thing that a lot of people I think fail to understand. Not everybody, because some people they will just never get used to the iPad. But the split screen stuff, the keyboards, you know, the iPad Pro, all of that stuff. It it. It significantly changes things, and it does make them more productive. And the iPad Mini cannot really get a lot of that benefit, but a, a the next level up, right? The regular sized iPad Pro, like that is that could be a real sweet spot for you. You just don't know it yet. Maybe I still think, in the grand scheme of things, that it would have been better for me to have a full bore Mac. But to your point, though. Bringing a full-bore Mac, even the MacBook Adorable, which I want so desperately, is still physically considerably more than I would than I had in my hands when I was using my iPad. Even if the iPad had a keyboard, even if it was a 10-inch iPad, it's still uh, the, the MacBook Adorable, as adorable as it is, was still would still be a lot more, and it wouldn't have been able to get online without tethering to my phone. So again, the iPad has an advantage there. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm very curious to see what happens this WWDC, because if I were to make any prediction in, I don't know, maybe like a draft or something, I would say that there will be some huge iPad advancements. And if not, I'm going to be simultaneously very sad, also a little bit amused, but very, very sad mm. that there are no iPad advancements, because that's just bananas at this point. All, all I know is the iPad got more than the Mac did. That's what I'm sure of. I, I even feel sure saying that to the to the listener of the future. That's how confident I am. That if we didn't get anything, you got a lot, heck of a lot less. That's probably true. But anyway, we should probably move on. Uh, tell me about what you had happen over the last week or so. You know, it's kind of funny that we we just spent more time talking about Apple Newsy stuff than we ever do on this show. <laughs> knowing that it will be a significantly different world yeah. by the time that people listen to the show. That's, that's kind of funny to me. Accidental. I had family over for, to my house for the first time. When I say family, I mean like the whole crew, um, mm-hmm. like the whole family unit. It was um, it was interesting. We got in a lot of food. We got catering food in. Like Oh, you fancy. From a, 
Well, basically, it's just a nice supermarket chain called Marks and Spencers. I've heard of it. You can like order food from them that you can. So I went and picked it up, and then you just put it in the oven, right? So like you, we got like five or six different things, and you put them all in the oven for like ten minutes each, right? It's all like pre-cooked, or you need to heat it, or it's all like pre-prepared stuff. And we did that just because it was. It, there were like ten of us, and it was just going to be easier for us to put on like a sort of a buffet than to do everything else yeah, or yeah. anything else when everyone was coming there expecting to be fed and. We, you know, that was all we were going to do, really. Um, it was a really nice day having everyone in my house, like my parents and like my uncle and my aunt and my cousins and my brothers and my brother's kids, right? Like it was a very, it was an experience that made me feel like an adult, right? Like I felt like a grown up, you know, everyone was yeah. in my house. You know, it was it was a kind of an interesting and weird feeling. I will say though, again, this is something else that will be resolved in some way by the time this episode goes out. But families should never discuss politics. <laughs> so we we uh, had this this get together before the general election, and whilst we do not have in my family um, anybody with really extreme views. We have a vast array of differing views across a reasonable spectrum. There were no arguments, like serious things, but there were lots of like disagreements for a small period of time. Mm -hmm. I can't wait until the politics are done for a while. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, but I agree. Yeah, but like you know, once once the general election is all done and dusted, you know, people will either be angry or sad, uh, but they'll just have to get used to it because that's the way it is, right? It's like Brexit, you know, everybody just got used to it whether they liked it or didn't because at a certain point, it's like, well, that's that's just what that is now. You've got to get on with it. But before it happens, there is debate to be had. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that family should never discuss politics. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I think. If I had a way to make that happen, I would make that happen. Fair enough. Yeah, we... Um... It's, I'm trying to figure out a way to gingerly dance around this, but suffice to say there are some people in our family that that Aaron and I tend to agree with, and there's some people in our family that we tend not to agree with, and it gets dodgy from time to time in group events. So I, I totally mm -hmm. understand. But all in all, it sounds like it was a good time, though. It was a really nice time. I had a great day. I think everybody did. Um, and it was just a nice experience. It felt like a real achievement for me, to be honest, to be able to have everyone in my home, you know. It it made me feel like a, a successful adult. I can imagine. What was the uh, occasion or impetus for this? Just for fun or? There had just been, not everybody in the family had seen their flat yet. And it was just getting to the point where like, you know, we've been here for nearly six months. So figured why not just... Bite the bullet, have everybody over in one go, um, and get it done, get it over with. You know, mm -hmm. that's awesome. No, that's 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 really good times. So I'm looking forward to having that same event uh, in what like a year, whenever it is that you're getting married. Because total, uh, I assume that you're going to be having a tremendous soirée at your apartment because you'll have nothing else to be stressing about. Mm. <laughs> On a happier note, tell us about something awesome. This week's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at Linode. 
Linode lets you get set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to understand and they let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. Linode plans start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode servers offer nine data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers quickly. They have industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, access to a 40 gigabit network and Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest processors in the cloud market. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, super simple scaling, which will allow you to resize your servers in just a couple of clicks, and everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available for you. You can get a server with 1GB of RAM for just $5 a month and go all the way up to 60GB of RAM for just $60 a month. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash analog, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash analog, you'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a 7-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash analog to learn more, sign up, and take a advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code analog2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Let me let me tack something on to the end of that. Uh, I recently was trying to diagnose an issue with, um, with the Showbot for ATP and I couldn't figure out what it was and I thought, you know what, maybe I should stop relying on Heroku, which does like so many of these things for you, like the, the administrative stuff. Let me just see if I can figure out how to get a Linode installation up and running with Node and whatever I need in order to make the Showbot work. And even though I used to be fully capable of this years ago, I hadn't done this sort of thing in a long time and I was pretty scared of it. Turns out, super easy. Linode's uh, admin interface is really great, super easy to work with, and I was very pleasantly surprised um, that that I was able to get something up and running, like get an alternate showbot up and running in something like 10 or 15 minutes. It was absurd how quick it was. So really, if you're like me and a big baby, go check it out. You, you might be surprised. I might incorporate that into the advertising copy in the future. <laughs> do what you got to do. Just play that clip. All right. We have some Relay Your Feels. Today. Finally. Finally, right? Finally. And we're going to start off today with Jim. And Jim has a question for you, Casey. Do you still listen through each episode of Analog? Jim recalls that you do not do this for ATP anymore. So is Jim correct about what he is believed to have heard? And and if so, are you still involved in the editing process? Yeah. So for this show, almost every single show, what will happen is we'll record it. I will listen to it sometime in the next couple of days. I will write down the timestamps of when I think Mike should be cut or I should be cut or there's a noise in the background from one of us that needs to be cut, etc. And I'll give those timestamps to Mike and he'll do the actual edit. So when I say do I do, oftentimes I'll say I'll do my edit. And really, it's not an edit at all. It's just me marking down a bunch of timestamps and then I leave it for Mike to do all the actual work. Um, As Jim expects or or had suspected, uh, I do not do that for ATP anymore. I used to for a long time, do the exact same thing. And then... I don't know what it was, but Marco and I just kind of became of one mind as to how to handle it. And it became quicker for Marco to just do it himself than, than worry about me doing it. And I think a large part of that is because Marco edits, well, at now he edits two to three podcasts. But at the time, he only had ATP, so it wasn't a big burden 
for him to listen through and kind of do it by hand. For you, it's a bit different because you're editing so many shows. And, and I like to think anyway that me giving you those timestamps and whatnot actually does help you out a bit. It wouldn't get the type of edit that it gets, this show. It gets a slightly different, like maybe just a touch more um, on the heavy-handed side than some of my other shows. So what I would do with this show is what I do with many other shows where I will, as we're recording, write down the timestamps that I want to cut. But you'll pick up on more than I would pick up on because you hear absolutely everything where I'm, you know, I'm only <laughs> hearing about 75%. Like it's, it's, I've got other things that I'm concentrating on. So you will give a little bit more than me. Um, and also, one of the other things is it's two people's differing opinions. Sure. So, like, I edit to my opinion about the way that something will be done, and you edit to yours. I mean, fundamentally, the final edit is my opinion, um, because I don't make all of the edits that you suggest and or don't make them in the way that you suggest them sometimes. But you what? are doing... you Exactly. You are doing a vast amount of the work um by listening back than than i need to do so like you know i can get this show edited in like say like 20 minutes which is about as long as it would take if i was doing my style of edit but if i was achieving the same output right like the idea of someone (laughs) listening through the whole thing that would take me like 90 minutes to two hours for every episode instead so it's a vast vast time saving to produce the show at the quality level that we like go team Adam wants to know, which podcast, for the both of us, is closest to our real-life personalities? And gives an example for me, because Mike's somewhere between Bonanza and Analog or on either of the poll. <laughs> so I feel like all of my shows are a set of two things. They are exaggerated aspects of my personality and also the sum or the result of the friendship that I have with that person and the relationship that I have with that person. Mm. So Mm. I would say that, like, everybody is made up of vast layers that create their personality, right? Their interests and just the way that they speak and the way that they act. People act differently around different people, right? Yep. And then the relationship aspect is another part. So, for example... If you think Bonanza is funny, great. I think it's funny. I can only be like that with Matt. Like, there's no one else that I can be that funny with. Like, it would it would be a real stretch to call Bonanza improv comedy, but it's would be the closest thing as to what you could call it if you were going to put a label on it because we don't prepare. We just show up and we work with each other and we get something at the end of it. It's kind of stupid. It's kind of silly. I don't know if I recommend that people go and listen to it because I don't know if you'll like it, but you might. So it might be worth giving it a try. Um, but it is effectively mine and Matt's attempt to improv comedy. Me and you couldn't do that. Uh, but, I, but I can't do it with anyone. Like I, I, there's, there's nobody else in the world that I will laugh like that with than him. And I think it's similar. Like that, we just have this thing where we just push the right buttons of each other. So it's it's an, for me. I think it's an aspect of my the just the different parts of my personality layered on top of the relationship that I have with the person that brings them out. 
Yeah. And for the record, I think Bonanza is hilarious. And it is a very unique and special snowflake, but I love it. So uh, I definitely recommend it. Uh, I agree with Mike that every, well, the two shows that I do are different sides of the same man. Um, I think this one is probably closer to the fully realized me, which isn't to say I hold back on ATP, but it's a different show where only certain topics are really I'm going to use the word appropriate, but I'm not in love with that phrasing. But you know, no, what I'm I saying. agree with you. This is this show for me as well. It, it covers a, a lot. I think a lot more of a broader aspect of my personality than the, some of the other shows that I do, because we really will just talk about whatever's going on in our lives. Like it doesn't matter what it is, right? Where I don't do that on on all of my shows, right? Like I talk about subject relevant stuff but there isn't really a subject for the show anymore at this point (laughs) it is just a two two people talking show right is what it is now um with a with a bent towards me and you sharing things that are important to our lives like that's kind of what this show is which is great i mean this, this is kind of exactly what we were hoping it would be um or at least this is what it kind of had to become to continue past yeah. the original maybe 10 episodes we had planned yeah, um, and sort of kind of tangentially related. Listeners, if you beautiful nerds have successfully turned somebody else in your life onto this show, how did you do that? What was your pitch? If you can fit a summarized version into a tweet, mm. I would love to hear it. I'm, re- I'm really being serious because how, uh, how do you describe the show? Like, here, hashtag really your feels. Mike and Casey, how would you describe Analog? Well, me, uh, what I would say is it's two guys talking about themselves for an hour to an hour and a half every other week, which is a terrible pitch. Like that's a terrible, terrible, terrible pitch. Uh, but I don't know how I would describe this show. Like, how would you describe it? Well, I mean, the website says that analog is a show about how digital devices make us feel and how they change our lives for the better. And for it the was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's thing. still, there is still a lot of that in here. Like it tends to be how technology affects us, right? There is that, that there tends to be a thread which one runs through every episode about how tech some somewhere in it technology has an effect, but it's not as strict to that as it used to be. Like at this point, it really is like what Roderick on the line is, right? Which is we call each other and we talk about just stuff that's happening in our lives, right? Yeah. And and as well, like you know, I'm not trying to speak out of term for you, but a lot of the time. Uh, many of the times, like, I'm the person showing up who knows what's going on, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. showing up without the, the having done a, as much preparation as I have, just because <laughs> that's a difference in our podcast styles. So right. It's not about who is no, no, lazy. No, no, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Right, like, I I need to, to outline things, mostly because I need to be able to keep all my show straight in my head, right? Yeah. Like, I would get, I would be all over the place. Like, I would start talking about pens with you now, right? Like, I, I, I have to make <laughs> these outlines. It's how I work. It's, it's, it's how I feel like I'm prepared. Um, I'm less of an accidental podcaster. And uh, so that, that for me is a, I don't even know where I was going with that, but um, <laughs> oh, the idea of you showing up. See, it's because I've never written down. Uh, yeah, you showing uh-huh. up, right? Like, so it's the two of us, and we get together, and we just talk about stuff that's going on in our lives. Like, that's what the show is. All right, we're spending too much time in the show talking about the show. So, <laughs> Mark wrote in and said, "Mark needs a refresher here, KC. 
Mm-hmm. And and Mark is being honest. Mark's curiosity is honest. They're not. Mark is not trying to make a joke of you. Mm-hmm. Can we hear the story of why Casey drives a white car? <sighs> yes, Mark, we can. Since you seem so genuine, I will tell you. Um, the kind of extended version of the story, which was oftentimes uh, cut off and or I was made fun of while I was retelling it, is on the first episode of Neutral. In fact, my podcasting debut was Marco asking me why someone would want to drive a white car. And the answer to the question is, uh, when I was growing up, my dad had bought a white Saturn SL2. It was 1994 Saturn SL2. That eventually became my car as a hand-me-down when uh, my dad got a white Jeep Wrangler, uh, Sahara. I think that was like a 97, 99, 98, 99, somewhere in that time frame. Um, Then I had a white 300ZX that we bought secondhand from a friend of my dad's. And we did not buy it because it was white. It was just happenstance. Um, Let's see. Then there was... Oh, then I was buying my first car, which was a Subaru Legacy GT, a 2005 model. And I didn't know what color I really wanted. Like, I didn't have any particular opinion about it. So I thought, ah, screw it. I'll just get white. And so that one was a deliberate choice. None of the others were on my part anyway, thus far. Then I was looking for a uh, E90 four-door M Sport six-speed 335 sedan and the only one I, well, I found two, one was Lamont blue, which is my favorite BMW color ever, but it ended up that we couldn't negotiate down to a price that we both liked. The second one I found in like a year and a half or two years of looking was the one I now have, which happened to be white. I did not buy it because it, it was white. I bought it because it was the only thing that matched all of the other options I wanted. And finding a BMW three series with a six speed is impossible. Finding one that's a four door and a six speed is double impossible. Finding one that's a four door six speed with the M sport package is it does not happen. And so I immediately pounced on it. And that's why I drive white cars. That's fair. All right. Would you buy a white would you buy white cars in the future? Would you continue to buy white cars? Like no. is this a thing? No, I don't think okay. so. It's just well, happenstance. I mean one of them was a deliberate choice. Like I bought the Subaru new. I could have mm-hmm. hypothetically chosen any color in the rainbow that Subaru offered, and I chose white. That was a hundred percent on me. Everything Super else, rainbow. I, yeah, right. Uh, everything else, though, I I would argue was at least some degree happenstantial. Yes, I guess I could have waited for a different BMW to come out, or not come out, but like come become available. But at that point, it was so many impossible things on top of each other that I didn't care that it. And I like white. It's not that I don't like white. Like I'm not a victim here. Well, I am from all of Marco's merciless ribbing and everyone else, but I I am not a victim. It's just it was circumstantial and happenstantial that. The BMW was white. But I think if I were to buy a, a new car today, in all likelihood, I would get some sort of blue. Yeah, I think some sort of blue would probably be the winner, if I were to guess. But it depends on the blue. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, Jim wants to know, uh, what do we do to decompress if we feel overwhelmed by work? Do you want to take this one? Yeah, I certainly can. Um, I don't often feel overwhelmed by by work look at you now well i mean it wasn't always that way but i've come to a fairly good work-life balance generally speaking but nobody's perfect um i don't have a lot of things that i do if i need to like decompress uh music is always one of them 
Um, going for a longer drive home because I do live very close to the office, which sometimes is really bad because I don't have a separation between work and home. Um, sometimes just a drink, literally sometimes just one, sometimes a few, but oftentimes just one will calm me down. Um, playing with Declan and, you know, hanging out with Aaron, all of those help maybe watching a TV show or occasionally like a movie that I really love. Um, all of those things help reading a book. If I'm in the middle of one that helps, uh, I need to read Dan. Well, here's a shout out for our mutual friend, Dan Morin, who, uh, just released, uh, the Caledonian gambit. I think I pronounced that right. Well, anyway, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I've started it. I have not finished it. It's very good so far. Um, so I'll read a book. Any number of those things will help, but I wouldn't say there's one specific thing. Oh, uh, CG underscore in the uh, chat reminded me of the switch. I completely forgot about the switch, which is a new thing uh, that definitely calms me down. Well, most times anyway, <laughs> um, so that all, that also helps uh, basically any number of things that are not work because I'm very lucky and don't have a heinously stressful job. It doesn't take a lot to bring, come me, you know, bring me back off the ledge. What about you, Mike? Uh, I I find that if I am feeling overwhelmed by work, writing down the things that I have to do, like writing them down again, even if they're in a to-do list, or just seriously looking at my to-do list can help. Um, It's typically, or telling it to someone, like explaining to somebody. So Adina will do this to me. She'll ask me if she can tell that I'm a little bit overwhelmed. uh, She will ask me to tell her what I have to do. Like, what are the things that you need to do? Because often, for me, I find that there is a feeling that I that there is more work to do than there actually is, and then the stress of that compounds everything else. Like, it, it makes yeah, everything yeah. else feel way worse. So sometimes it's just as simple as a case of just just writing down what have you got to do, and then I feel a lot better afterwards. This is kind of tangentially related, but there's a thing in computer programming called rubber duck debugging. And one thing that I've seen happen to myself numerous times is that if you just explain a problem to somebody, oftentimes the act of verbalizing it and getting deep enough to explain each little step will cause you to realize the problem. And so what some book somewhere, I forget which one it was, had recommended is literally have a rubber duck sitting at your desk and explain to that rubber duck what's going on. And that's kind of what you're talking about with Adina, right? Like explaining, here's all the things I think I need to do. Mm -hmm. And just by virtue of verbalizing it, it'll actually help you solve the problem. Yep. And it does help because it's just a case of either, you know, in that, in that regard, it's like trying to focus your mind on something else where in mine, it's just like in trying to just recenter myself again. So like understanding what it is I've actually got to do and being able to move on from there. Yep. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. You can start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash analog, and you'll get a 14-day free trial if you sign up there. And then you can get 20% off your first invoice with the offer code analog at checkout. Pingdom have more than 70 global test servers that they will use to emulate visits to your website. You give it the URL that you want them to monitor, and... When and if your website goes down, Pingdom will let you know. They check availability as often as every minute, and they will be the first to know, and then you will be the second to know when there is a problem with your website. Pingdom don't just detect 
full websites if they're up or down. Like it's not just a, a one or zero. It's not an off and on situation. You can also give them the uh, ability to take a look at all the different dependencies that you have of your website. And by that, I mean things like contact forms or e-commerce checkouts, search functionality. All of this stuff can be dependent on other third-party services that aren't necessarily tied into your website, right? Like it's not part of your hosting. It's not part of your system. It's not part of your backend, but it might be something else that you plug in. Well, Pingdom can monitor all of these things to make sure that the interactions that people are coming to have with your website people get what they need, right? They come to your website and they take a look at your blog. Blog's great. When I go to the store, when I buy something, oh no, the store's down. That doesn't happen. Because with Pingdom, you're going to know and you'll be able to go in and take care of it. Pingdom detect 400,000 outages a day, 13 million outages every month. They are on top of this stuff. Whether you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it is super important to monitor your availability and performance, and that's why you need Pingdom. Check it out today, and you'll be first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com slash analog for a 14-day free trial, and use the code analog at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their continued support of this show. And Relay FM. All right. So, what's next? Benjamin wants to know how we use Instagram. And I guess if that's changed at all recently. So, I've broken this down into a, a subset of questions here. Um, and Casey, in general, in general, what, what types of content do you like to consume in Instagram? Like, what are the themes around the, the, the accounts that you follow? Um, I would say generally it's friends and people either I know in real life or consider myself to know through the internet. So like, obviously you and I know each other in, in every capacity, but, uh, Hey, but, um, like somebody like you before we had gotten to be particularly close in real life, you know, I would probably, would probably mm -hmm. followed you, you know, as an example. Um, and, and friends, there are, I'm trying to think of things that are like not people that I follow. So I do follow a handful of car related, um, Instagram accounts that post, you know, pictures of really beautiful cars. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. There's a handful of celebrities I follow, but not many. I have nothing against that. It's just generally speaking, I don't find what celebrities post tend to be that interesting to me. Um, and that in, in the celebrities category, I, I also consider a couple of athletes, um, as well. There are a couple of athletes that I follow, but not many. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's just people, people that I think are either interesting or I know or I like or any combination of the above. So for me, it's most it's mostly a like blown up version in some areas of the types of accounts that I follow on Twitter. So I follow mostly friends and family. Um, like so close friends typically or people who I really uh, respect you know so it's, it's it tends to be like okay so what I'm trying to say is on Twitter I follow way more acquaintances than I do on Instagram mm -hmm. so like there's this middle ground so it's either people that I consider to be very close to me or people that I like really admire like professionally mm -hmm. they tend to be like the two kind of uh realms of of regular person that i follow um then it's like pen stuff and wrestling stuff but i follow proportionally way more of those two on instagram than i do on twitter compared to regular people mm -hmm. because they're quite visual mediums yeah you know that's interesting because 
So I follow 180 accounts on Instagram and I follow, I think just shy of 300 on Twitter. And I find I'm kind of the opposite in that I am way more likely to just throw somebody a follow on Instagram than I am on Twitter because I feel like Twitter, I still try to be a completionist, but I don't always succeed. And I feel like I'm at capacity for my own brain and you know for volume that I receive during the day on Twitter. Whereas on Instagram, I feel like I can't get enough of it. And especially anyone who gives even a half a consideration to the sorts of things they post, I want to see more of that. And so I am way more likely to throw a an acquaintance a follow on Instagram than I am on Twitter, which I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. It's just funny that that I feel like I'm the opposite of you in that regard. I'm not a completionist anymore. I mostly am, but like I don't care about it. Like, if I open Twitter and I have like 600 tweets, I'll jump to 250. Oh, like, yeah, I'll, dude, I'll jump all the way to the top and then scroll back maybe, you know, 25 or 30 and then call it a day. Yeah, but I do follow way more people than you do, right? Also so that's, true. this is a, this is a frequent occurrence for me as opposed to an infrequent occurrence. I follow 559 Oof. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's, it, I follow 254 on Instagram. So the, I think that the kind of the, there there's just some different ratios for me it's the same things but in in different different mixtures mm-hmm. um what do you post what what is what did you what would you consider you post on instagram and how would that differ to, to something like twitter uh before well the the immediate answer to your question is i consider what i'm posting way more when i post instagram than when i post twitter yes twitter definitely. twitter to mm-hmm. me it isn't literally stream of consciousness but I will give a half second thought to the sorts of things I post on Twitter, whereas Mm -hmm. I will strongly consider the merits of anything I post on Instagram. Because to me, it's not necessarily, although this is part of it, it's not necessarily like putting my best foot forward on Instagram, but it's more about, I, I feel like the bar is way higher. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense because I'm the same way, right? Like for Instagram, I post things that I think are funny um like but are pretty funny or really interesting right like way more like that that bar is like way higher than uh than twitter i also try to post things um to illustrate experiences that i'm having yeah same here i i think that that is a good thing for me when i look back uh on my instagram and also for i think for the people that that follow me on instagram like they I think there is there is an element of of which is a very millennial mindset I think but like to uh to try and show the experiences that you have and and how that is like a big thing for my generation. Mm-hmm. Like I saw this I saw this recently. I I can't remember what it was but like where um people of of our generation where their money goes and it's it seems to be way more on experiences and like you see a lot of restaurants and stuff catering to this like me and Adina were talking about this when uh I w- we were in a place in London called the Soft Serve Society which uh was an is an ice cream place right and this ice cream place I took a picture of it on Instagram as everybody does so I I picked this one Sunday and the Sunday had like it said like oh vanilla ice cream and uh, strawberry ice cream and popping candy and candy floss like cotton candy right <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself like it's going to be there's going to be a small amount of of candy floss included but what they did was they took an entire serving 
of cotton candy, candy floss, and just put it on the top of the ice cream. Oh, my. Right? Because it makes it Instagrammable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I take a picture of it, and I share it, and I say where I got it, and then people want to go and get it. There are like a few, there are multiple chains of ice cream places in London that have popped up that offer cotton candy as a topping. And I believe it is because people take pictures of them and share them on social media. And that's a really great way to help build your business. That's interesting. I would buy that. Um, but to come back around, like, what do I post? Lately, it's been mostly, if not exclusively, Declan. But my bio on Instagram, which I think is accurate, is cars, toddlers, football, and occasionally booze, which is pretty much all of that, all that I post. So that's basically it. Do you use personally contribute to Instagram stories? I do. Uh, This is actually kind of an extension of what you were saying, which, by the way, I wholeheartedly agree with, that it's about showing experiences. And I don't know, I really can say with an honest heart, and I really, really mean this, that I don't view it as look at me in my cool life when I post something on Instagram. What I think of it as is I want to share with some, with, you know, people who follow me, when something actually interesting is happening in my life. Because my normal life, I mean, I love my life, but at the same time, on paper, it's not very exciting, right? I go to work, I come home, I play with Declan, then... The day-to-day, right? Right. The day-to-day isn't exciting, but there are moments. Yeah, exactly. And so you'll see, like, Instagram will get a handful of pictures when I'm at the beach each summer, for example. And stories is like a more Twitter-like approach to Instagram. And what I mean by that is I have... I still have a pretty high bar for stories, but it's a lower bar. My bar for whether or not I should post to Instagram is almost insurmountably high. Insurmountably high? You know what I mean. Um, which is why over like four or five or six or seven years, however long it's been, I only have 557 posts, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually not that much if you ask me. Although I think you have fewer than I. Um, but Instagram stories, I'll throw something on there just if I think it's funny or interesting or humorous or whatever. I, I, it's not as important to me, but I also am cognizant that I don't want to do story overload. As an example, I when I started running, partially to encourage myself, I had posted to Instagram stories each time I went running with something never so slightly different, but mostly the same. And after about a week of that, it occurred to me, yeah, I really got to cut this out. And coincidentally, Aaron asked me that same day as, as I decided that, yeah, you got to keep doing that every day. You're, uh, what's the story there? Which was her very gentle way of saying, you got to cut that crap out. What do you, what do you do about stories? Uh, I vlog. <laughs> Touche, right? sir. Touche. Uh, it just, it because ju- this is my thing. I always think to myself, like, I would really like to use Instagram stories more because I think it's a really fun medium. And then I'm like, why don't I use it more? And then I realized it's because all of the things that I would put in an Instagram story, they go into my vlogs, mm-hmm. right? I would take these Instagram stories when I'm out doing something exciting. And typically when I'm out doing something exciting, I'm shooting it for the vlog. And uh, so, yeah, I find that to be a kind of a, a funny thing that I've just realized about myself. That is interesting. Do you, do you consume stories? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm a completionist. I actually consume Instagram stories more than Instagram photos now. Really? Huh. Because I open the app and stories are just right at the top. Sure, so I sure. just, I, I flip through them and then I just kind of scroll through some 
posts and never I, I never really feel I I don't spend as much time consuming the regular Instagram photos as I used to. And I, I I never really I I'm not bitter about it. I'm not angry about it anymore, but I never really liked that change for the the timeline change. Uh, like it, yeah. it, it it disrupted my use of Instagram and I never kind of really went back as much. But I do still look and there will be like a few friends that like I will basically here's like a little trick for me. If there's people that I whose images I want to see, right? If you just go, I mean, I will say that the the algorithm does a good job of showing me the people, right? It knows who I interact with the most. But like, if I just want to go and see like a specific set of people, I just go. To, you go to the search tab and you press in the search box, and it like the suggested people that it puts up at the top, like the top five or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're the people that you're interacting with the most. Oh, is that right? Is that a factor? Is that just yeah. a theory? Yeah. Well, that's my theory, and I'm pretty sure it's true because they are the people whose photos I tend to like the most. The suggested ones? Yeah. No way. I don't Interesting. think so. Maybe you don't know that, though. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right, but I don't think so. I feel so. like it has a better know. idea we'll about you than you do. <laughs> that's probably true. But yeah, I uh, I like it. I like it. I like Instagram Stories a lot. I think it was a good addition, and I I like playing around with the features. But I never really contribute to it. But I do like watching people's. Yeah, I I like it a lot. Uh, if I were to wager a guess, I would put money down. And at this point, it'll have already happened. But I will wager a guess that I will be heavily using Instagram Stories while I'm at uh, San Jose this year. That that's my guess. Yeah, I'm gonna be vlogging. Yeah, but that's so old by the time you release it, man. I want it now. Mm-hmm. I want it now. I want it right now. I that's from uh, Willy Wonka, right? I think so. It, it may be. Speaking of Willy Wonka, uh, Mike, what's the most recent movie you've watched in the theater? Gannon would like to know. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Ditto. What'd you think of it? I really liked it. It wasn't as good as the first one, Can but care? I've heard a lot of people say, like, it was a bad movie, and I could not disagree more with it. I loved it. It made me laugh, and it made me cry. Um, I thought it was a fantastic film. I really, really enjoyed it. It was Again, look, it wasn't as good as the original, and that's partly in the fact that nobody expected the original to be as good as it actually Agreed. ended up being. But like this is, in my opinion, like a superhero movie that has way more heart and soul than most of them do still. Um, and I think they did a good job. They they did what I would have expected the sequel to be, which was that it was a good sequel. It wasn't as good as the original, but it was still really good. And as CG in the chat says, the music selection was fantastic, which I agree with. I cannot stop listening to Fleetwood Mac Rumors, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's a good album. But they use the chain, the song The Chain, mm-hmm. in that movie twice, and they use it to great effect both oh, times. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that kind of Adina hadn't really spent much time listening to that album like I just had that song in my head a lot so I was playing the album a bit more and then she got into it so now we're playing it and I actually have my dad's record oh that's awesome my dad's LP we found it in the garage before we moved um, and I've been we've been playing it a lot from the record player yeah, that, that's that's really awesome. And it's a great album. They're a live album. I forget what it was called. It was only maybe 10 or 15 years ago now, but um, that's also really good. And they play The Chain in, in that album. You should check that one out. God, what already. a great song The Chain is. Oh, yeah. I, look, I'll just say about, about rumors, right, that I think, I mean, I do 
believe it's one of the greatest albums ever made, but like I would struggle. I think you would struggle to find uh, an album that has two of the greatest songs ever written back to back, like Don't Stop and Go Your Own Way. They are back to back on that album. Mm. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. So good. Uh, The Dance is the name of the Fleetwood Mac album I'm thinking of, which is a live album. 1997. Holy smokes. That's intense. Anyway, uh, it's a great album. You should check that one out, too. It's longer than 10 years, Casey, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Uh, I agree with everything you said about Guardians. Uh, No spoilers. Uh, I also cried a little bit during that movie, which is not... I mean, it's not entirely uncommon for me to cry during a movie, but for me to cry during a superhero movie, that was a little peculiar. And uh, that, Mm -hmm. that one... That one punched me in the feels in a time when I was not expecting to get punched in the feels, which isn't bad. I was just surprised. So, um, yeah, I agree with I agree with you. Not a, not bad by any means. It was good. I wouldn't necessarily say I loved it, but I I liked it for sure. Uh, not as good as, as the first, but definitely good. Definitely worth watching. Do not regret paying eight hundred and seven dollars to see it in the theater. It's expensive fit you go to. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, Kevin asks, as you two do not seem to have any at the moment, what are your feelings on pets? Mike, would you like to start? I like animals, but I'm not a big pet guy. Just because pets are unpredictable, right? Like what type <laughs> of pet you're going to get, right? Like there are dogs that I know that I really like. You know, like I have some friends who have dogs and I really like those dogs. I have friends that have dogs and I really don't like those dogs, right? And and it feels like that everybody loves their dog, but I don't like everybody's dog. Yeah. And yeah. I don't feel like it's necessarily a breed thing. I feel like it's just like a temperament of that animal and the way it's been trained. And it's just not a big thing for me. Like I'm just not a big dog person. I am allergic to cats and yeah, I, I'm just, I've just never been a big animal guy, like a big pet guy. I like animals, but I'm not a big pet guy. Uh, plus, I can't have pets in my building anyway. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I mostly echo what you're saying. I am allergic to cats. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really like cats. I wouldn't say I actively dislike them outside of the whole allergy thing, but I don't particularly like them either. I do like dogs quite a bit. We had dogs on and off growing up. Um, I think that there will come a time that Aaron and I will get a dog, but, um, I don't want to have a dog right now. And this is going to sound super funny and it probably is a bit kooky, but I don't want to be tied to the house so that we have to be here every eight ish hours or whatever the number may be to let Mm -hmm. the dog out. And Mm -hmm. even though we don't really have a whole lot of freedom because we have a two and a half year old, nevertheless, it's it's one thing to have to come home because of a child, a human child. I don't feel like I want to come back because I need to let the dog take a leak. Like that's just not interesting to me right now. And I say that as though I'm this like jet setting, you know, playboy or something like that. I live a a very unremarkable life, but just, I don't want to be tied down in an eight hour window or not be able to travel somewhere without putting a dog in a kennel or finding a sitter or whatever the case may be. Um, And so at this stage in our lives, I don't think it's a th- I don't think we're going to do it anytime soon, but I think there will come a time probably once Declan is old enough to really understand what's happening. We'll probably get some sort of dog. I think it's just not for several years at least. All right. Casey Liss. Mm-hmm. We are about to enter Firefly viewing club. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about episode three, Bushwhacked, after we take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Squarespace. Enter the offer code FEELS at checkout, F-E-E-L-S, and you will get 10% off your first purchase. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will give you that home that you have for that for that home that you need for that great idea that you have. They will give you a place to put your next idea online. They give you all the tools that you need. They give you the ability to register a unique domain name super quickly, super easily. They will give you access to award-winning templates that have all been professionally designed. They'll let you show off your great ideas fantastically on all sizes of device. It features responsive web design built right in, and it's super easy to customize with drag and drops, and you'll be able to select uh, different colors and different fonts just from menus. It's super easy to do, and everything updates right in front of you before you publish out your changes to the world, so you can see exactly how your site's going to look before everybody else does. And Squarespace, one of, I think the best thing about Squarespace is how many types of websites you can build with it. They have so much functionality tailored to many different types of use cases, and you can mix and match a bunch of them. You can make blogs, portfolios, online stores, galleries. You can make, uh, you can have music players. You can have maps and all that type of stuff so you can put direction information on. You can have people download files from your site. Super easy. It's the all-in-one platform, in fact, that will let you take care of anything that you want to put online. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, and Squarespace back everything up with 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Their plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Use the offer code FEELS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's F-E-E-L-S. And you'll also show your support for Analog when you do. Thank you to Squarespace for the continued support of this show. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Excellent. So I would say that for episode two, I was a little lukewarm, yeah. right? Like last mm-hmm. last time, I freaking loved this episode. Yes, excellent. Like really, really loved this episode. Like I feel like I was reintroduced to what I loved in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some people have been sending me in some feedback. Uh, so I will give a special shout out to Kathy. Um, Mrs. Soup, who was telling me that the second episode, what was it called? The Train Job. That's right. That was written because, like, Fox executives and stuff didn't like the first one. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's kind of, I think that's part of why it's got this, like, weird, maybe out of place feeling, because it was kind of like an afterthought, is is what I've got, got, like, kind of gathered from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so doesn't surprise me because like I really loved the first like double part episode and I really loved episode three but didn't like episode two as much like I kind of just liked it uh, but this one I I absolutely loved it right because like straight from the get go like crazy stuff is happening <laughs> right like that everyone's playing that like space basketball game thing. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's like, oh, there's an alert and then there's like a dead guy against the window and then there's this big ghost ship and it's like, all right, <laughs> we're back in then, are we? Yep. It's one really, it, it got super creepy super quick and it got like, 
like straight into the action, which I, I really liked. That there wasn't a lot of like um, preamble as there was in the second episode, right? Like I feel like the first episode had this. You were straight in with the action. You're straight in with the action here as well. And I feel like that they told way more in this episode than just 45 minutes of story. Like I feel like that there was just like so much going on. Like the the scenes and the setup, it was so good. Like the super creepy ship, right? Where like everything is like kind of untouched, and it's just all these people are gone. But mm-hmm. like, there's no, there's no like hint of any harm, and just like it looks as if like everybody just got up at, like halfway through the day and just left the spaceship, right? It's, it's awesome. Yep. Uh, I I enjoyed the the running theme of the episode with Simon. Like, it has a really great payoff at the end. Like, how he's first really super, like, freaked out by um, Mal and Zoe leaving the ship, right? Putting on the, the, the spacesuits and leaving the ship. He's kind of like, oh, like, that's all it is between you and space. Like, he he wasn't very comfortable with that. Yep. Um, to the point when Jane tricks him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to like to 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 come on board the the alien ship with them, right? And then he puts the suit on wrong, right? So if he actually would have gone out into space, yeah. it would have killed him. To right at the end, when the way that they escape the agents is by putting the suit like him. Oh, and, that's true. Uh, River. Oh yeah, I put never the put suits that together. On, yeah, and they're hanging on the outside of the ship, right? Like that's the the payoff to to that story which i i really like that as like the thread that run through the episode with his character um i feel like that again they've gone back to telling more of of river's story now as well which we hadn't really uh seen too much of yet mm-hmm. um it, there, there's some telekinesis going on here with her like she could sense a few things like she could hear the screams of the ship's passengers so she boards the ship right like unknowing to anybody else and then later on um when like the reaver is on board she's able to sense when he's doing crazy stuff and like that he's in the room when when they're trying to hide out from the agents like she could sense all of that and like she could hear it and stuff like we were given the the impression of like we were given the audio that she was hearing in her head so like that that's starting to like there is something going on with her from like a paranormal telekinesis Thing. There's some kind of thing that she's got that like these, which is what I expect these agents are trying to look for with her. They're trying to work out how her brain works, and so they can harness this power. That that's where I think they're going with River right now. Mm-hmm. They also went. The gang went back to showing their scavenging routes in this episode, right? Like they hit the mother load. They found all those um, crop growing stuff. But then they see the horrific, like, rat's nest of bodies. Yeah, yeah. Being hung from the, the ceiling of the ship. That was kind of creepy. It was super creepy. Um. Oh, again, bringing back something else I think I was talking about from the last episode, which is Wash and Zoe's relationship. So good. So There's good. one point he says, what's going on? And she says, not now, dear. <laughs> yeah. I think they're on the radios. 
yeah, yeah, and like yeah. I was like, yeah, she she is totally the boss in that relationship. Like, and I love that they're flipping the 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 as I say, like they're flipping the traditional gender roles that are shown in these types of shows. Right? He stays on board and he waits for her, and like she's just like, oh, you're too like you're too emotional. You're worrying too much. Right? Just leave me be. And I, I like that. I like that. Um, and they have some other great moments, like when the agents are. Um, asking them questions and stuff and she's just like no i'm not talking about him and he's just <laughs> no, like no, hold oh on, hold she's on. got legs to- <laughs> oh, you got it you got the line yeah yeah so, so she, uh, she says you know she's like totally stone-faced right just a total badass and she says completely stoned you know very completely stone-faced we're we're very private people and then they like flash cut to to wash she was like oh it's her legs her legs are the best and when the way her legs come up meet her butt like oh it's just hysterical like that that yin and yang of the two of them oh that that whole montage of them all getting interviewed by the uh by the alliance guy was just so well done mm-hmm. and, and to me uh, it's not literally peak Firefly, but it's like that's that's a really good case study of what I love so much about the show is that there are so many different characters that are so unique. Well, I think of them as unique. I'm sure somebody can. Well, actually, they're all the same type or blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, I think they're so unique and so interesting. And that is like a two or three minute just clip of what I love about this show. There was some interesting uh, character development in this episode as well from Mal. So, like, there's this whole scene where they're trying to work out what to do with the dead bodies, right? And Shepard Book wants to give them a funeral. And he seems to show compassion by letting that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he later on says that it's also a way to keep everybody busy because there's a booby trap. Right, right. But he he does seem genuine in the idea of like where where I think it was Jane just wanted to get rid of them all. He's just like no, like allowing Book to want to do it properly. Yep. So I I thought that that was a, an interesting character development moment for him. Um, but yeah, there is a we we find out that this was a the ship was uh, was boarded by Reavers and they're responsible. Right, and and I should mention as well at this point that there is a hostage. Right, they there is a hostage that they have taken. Right, someone that they found on the ship. Uh, it was a little guy who attacked Jane, and Jane thought he was like this huge dude. Right, which is hilarious. There are many moments in this episode where Jane is is uh, shown to not be as like tough and manly as he thinks he is, and it's usually like someone like Kaylee or Anar who's pointing this out to him, which is kind of funny. Yep. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was Jane is such a baby when it comes to Reavers. Yeah, he... Well, I mean, it seems like there's really good reason. Sure. Like, he is the one who seems to react the harshest to them. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there's this booby trap that if they then if they then detach from this ship that they boarded, they will blow up, right? So, like, Kaylee is sent down to go and deal with that. And then once they do, an Alliance ship shows up. And it's like game over, right? Like they think that they're done. But it turns out, which was a good twist, is that it was just a routine check, right? They're still in trouble because they are wanted by the Alliance. But they, the Alliance weren't um, pulling them in because they knew it was Firefly. Uh, they pull in them in because they're like, what are these guys up to scavenging this ship? 
and they are a little bit like suspicious during the questioning, so they take everybody on board. And uh, here we go again with my uh, week sub week bi weekly um, interested in an R corner. <laughs> so the agent wants to know why a quote woman of stature like Inara would travel mm-hmm. with the crew. So a woman of stature. So that's an interesting phrase again, right? It's another way to describe the companions. So this this is this profession is a considered to be a a, a lofty one, right? Like it is a respected sure. thing, it would appear, right? Um, and we find out a little bit about the fact that, like, why this relationship exists, that Inara gets to use the transport vessel of Firefly, um, which she finds for good for finding clients and then traveling to them. And then what Mal gets in the return is the good attention uh, for his ship having a companion on board. Or at least this is the official line that they'll tell each other. And they do a really great payoff to this scene where the agent, so, like, Inara gives that response and the agent says... So do you love him? And then when it the camera turns away, he's actually talking to Zoe about Wash. Yep, yep, yep. Right? But you immediately are like... Uh, or, or Zoe's either talking about... Yeah, she's talking about Wash. Yeah. But you immediately just jump to, oh, I must be talking about Mal. So I thought that was really clever. Yeah, it, it's... On the surface, it's kind of a cheesy, like... Uh, it's not surprising that that this was done, but yet it was surprising, and and it somehow worked in a way I don't think it would have in so many other like movies or films. Yeah, it's just it, just because you're expecting it so much, like it's set up really well and it's, it's paid off very well. Um, something I found interesting was that whilst he didn't lie, Book obfuscated the truth mm-hmm. to the agent. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really feel like something befitting a holy man. Yeah, I can understand that. And so, like, I don't think this is necessarily saying something bad about him. But what I do think is it's illustrating his emotional connection that has developed for the crew. That, like, he doesn't want to get them in trouble, especially uh, River. Right? But it was interesting to me that, like, he is trying to... uh, CG in the chat room says it's definitely not by the book. Um, <laughs> that, you know, uh, like, so I, I feel like, you know, whilst he is a man of religion, right? Like, he is a man, I, I assume it's like a priest, you know, that, that kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, you know, not just practices the faith, like, teaches it to others um, and is like kind of not necessarily lying, but not telling the full truth when questioned. Right, so I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I, with no spoilers. I feel like we're starting to get a hint that Shepherd Book is not exactly what he seems, and there's a depth yeah. to him that you wouldn't expect. I feel like that that, that uh, those things have been peppered, you sure. know, like the way that the way that he has treated and seemed to change treatment to Inara. Like that, there is more. There is a lot to this guy that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, um, but this was definitely one thing. Yeah, it, uh, it. And when he was checking out, like the 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 Serenity originally, and Kaylee could tell he was like looking the ship over because he understood what he was looking at. Like, there, there's there's more to him than meets the eye. So the situation with the hostage has gone worse, right? The hostage has been taken aboard the ship, and uh, the agent mentions to Mal that the that these 
that uh, the, the the hostage's tongue has been cut down the middle, which is similar to the treatment that independent soldiers would use for torture during the war, because the agent knows that Mal is a soldier, was a soldier, right? Was yeah. was a sergeant. Which, really quick aside, one of the great lines of this episode that I wrote down was. The 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 alliance guy says to Mal, you know, something along the lines of, "What did it feel like to be on the losing side?" And and or maybe the wrong side. I forget how it was phrased. But Mal says to him, "I may have been on the losing side, still not convinced it was the wrong one." Which is yeah, like, I like just that. Such mm-hmm. a good like subtle, you know, screw you, but in in a you know ostensibly polite way. So good. It's, it's some of the writing in the show I just freaking love. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, so the agent thinks that Mal is to blame, right? That, like, he's killed all the people and then, like, tortured this guy. But actually, turns out that, like, Mal goes on this big, like, psychological monologue about, you know, the horrible things this person must have seen watching the Reavers, like, torture and kill all of the people that they knew. The only way to get out of it is to become one of them and that they are now defacing their body like to look like one of the Reavers. Uh, and then it cuts to the Reaver dude is starting to kill doctors, right? And it's like red a lot um, to the point that like they end up uh, with the agent and with Mao working together to uh, find the Reaver, right? So mm-hmm. they, they go together and they, they try and find the Reaver on the Firefly ship. And it ends up with um, Mal saving the agent's life when the horrific-looking Reaver, right, we get some shots of the dude's face, and it's just nasty as hell, um, yeah, tries to gross. attack the agent, and uh, Mal saves him. And so they, the agent lets them go um, after taking back all of the cargo. And that's kind of where the uh, the episode ends. And I, I really liked it, right? So obviously in there as well is something I mentioned earlier is River Sensing. Uh, the Reaver is the Reaver's presence. Um, I I thought this was a really great episode because it continued to advance the characters in ways that is interesting to me. Like the, all of the things that I'm finding interesting about the characters, we're seeing more of it, right? And and so some of these themes are like, what's going on with River? What is Inara and Mao's relationship? Um, what is a companion, and how does that work in this society? So learning more about Inara. Um, and also, uh, what is Book up to, right? Like, who is this person? And also continuing the burgeoning love stories of Mal and Inara and um, Kaylee and uh, the Doctor, Simon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I liked all of that, and there were plot twists, and there was interesting tidbits of information, which I didn't know yet, and a ton of suspense and action. So I really, really loved this episode. Yeah, I thought this one was really great as well. It is not one of the ones that I reflect upon when I think of the show. There's a couple of episodes that Mm -hmm. we haven't seen yet that I'm like, when I think of Firefly, I think of those episodes, right? Um, they, I'm not saying they're necessarily better than this one, but I, there, this is not one of the ones. Bushwhacked is not one of the ones that I reflect upon when I reflect upon the show. I mean, that fills me with more and more hope for how the season will progress. Well, because so I like this one so much, you know. Yeah, and some of them, some of the ones I'm thinking of, um, uh, like even giving you the title will kind of give some things away, and obviously you can mm-hmm, see them mm-hmm. in iTunes, but I just don't want to go there. Um, but some of them that I'm thinking of. It, they're not 
necessarily as good, but in some ways are more memorable because maybe they're funny or something like that. Um, but this is definitely a good episode and actually might be the best like single serving episode of all of them in that it, it has a very good balance, as you've been saying this whole time, a very good balance of everything, of the action, of the suspense, of the character development, of the really good dialogue, of the humor. It's a really good smorgasbord of everything. And I think it accomplished that very, very, very well. So until next time, Casey Liss. Yes, the next episode will be Shindig, and we will talk about it uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But between now and the time that most of you have listened to this... We will hug each other, and it will be excellent.